month of July, as we are studying the person of the Holy Spirit, if we don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us, then we're never going to live out the full power of God that resides in us. So let me ask you a question. If you are a Christ follower, does the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you? Yes. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord, for me that was five years of age on a Friday afternoon, kneeling down on the front porch steps of my house, and as a five-year-old little boy, I cried out that I need Jesus. At that moment, the Holy Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of me. The very presence of God came to live inside of me, and it absolutely sealed me. And I, I have a question. Can the Holy Spirit of God ever leave me? No. So can I ask you, my moment when I was five years of age, when was your moment? When was your moment that you moved from spiritual death into spiritual life and the power of the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you and sealed you and will live with you forevermore? If you've never had that moment, today's the day to get saved. First Baptist family, can you come in agreement with me for the person who's sitting in this room and they've never trusted Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, is today a good day to get saved? Today's a good day to get saved. If you don't know Jesus, but for us as Christ followers, it's a great day to understand what it means of why God sent the Holy Spirit. What I want you to do, go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we began this journey last week, and we answered the question, who is the Holy Spirit? I gave you two things who the Holy Spirit is. This morning, I'm going to add two things to that. And after I add two things to that, then we're going to answer the question, why did God send the Holy Spirit to you? And I believe you're going to see it straight from God's Word, the text of Scripture, that you're going to see with all clarity and all purpose of why God sent the Holy Spirit to live and to work inside your life. So here's the big takeaway for the day. God doesn't want us to live an adequate Christian life. God wants us to live a spirit-filled, vibrant Christian walk. Look on the screen, and this statement will come up. Here's our takeaway. God doesn't want, call us to live just an adequate Christian life. Have you ever met a Christian that lived a boring Christian life? 
As a matter of fact, I believe in America, most Christians are living an adequate Christian life, but they are not living to the full potential of the power of the Holy Spirit of God and being a vibrant, spirit-filled person. I, I think Francis Chan demonstrates it the best. And, and I'm going to demonstrate it by using Mary Beth's ballet dance bar. Thank you, Amy. My mind went blank. Have you ever been about to say something? What is that thing? Several years ago, we got this dance bar for Mary Beth so she can go and put her uh, point shoes on for ballet. She'll come and practice point. I mean, you think she's tall now. She puts those point shoes on. I'm telling you, Mary Beth is growing, I think, an inch every day. But she comes and she works on this. But here's what I want you to picture this, her dance bar by. I want you to picture this is a gymnastics balance bar. Have you ever seen, you know, most of the time we only watch gymnastics once every four years and uh, balance beam. Why do we only watch the gymnasts every four years? What happens every four years? The Olympics. You know, and we watch them get on the balance beam. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever saw one of the young ladies or young men that have trained their entire life, have you ever watched them go and get on the balance beam, and when they step up on it, they barely step on it, and then when they get up on it, they just curl up on it, and they just hold it? Have you ever seen them just hold on to the balance beam and just hold on to it, and then when they're their time is up, the little routine's over, they just step off, do their step, and go like this. <laughs> what would it look like in the Olympics that gymnast who has trained their entire life, I mean, all the world is watching, and that gymnast gets up there on the balance beam, and all they do is just hug that balance beam the whole time and enjoy. And then they get off, they do their little deal, and, and they want tens. I mean, would they get a 10 for that? I got a question. You know what I think most Christians do? They get saved. They get put on the balance beam of Christianity. And what do we do? Here's, here's how we live our Christian life. Lord, I, I just want to live my Christian life is safe and secure. I mean, I want to protect all my kids. I'm going to make sure they always wear a helmet. We're just going to homeschool them. We're, going to, I, I, we're just going to live a safe life. Here's what we want to do. We want to live the Christian life, the Christian Balance beam, holding on to it. Then you say, Lord God, when I'm 99 years of age at 2 o'clock in the morning, let me just fall asleep. And at 99, let me fall asleep. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to do anything. And Lord, let me just be escorted to the glories of God at 99 years of age. And then we think we're going to get before God and we're going to go. 
and all we've done is just hold on. Lord, I just want safe. I don't want to take any risk. I don't want to do anything crazy. You know what that is? Trying to live an adequate Christian life. I believe in America. The average Christian is trying to live just an adequate Christian life. I'm just going to, I'm just hanging in there. I'm just going to hold on there. I'm not going to take any risk. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not going to do much for Jesus. I'm just holding on. God doesn't want you just to live an adequate Christian life. God wants you to live a vibrant, spirit-filled, passionate life for Christ. How dare us think we're going to live an adequate Christian life and not do much at the end of our life. We're just going to, oh, thank you, God. Why are we living an adequate Christian life when the person of the Holy Spirit is living in us? I believe that the Holy Spirit of God empowers us and enables us that we can get on the balance beam of Christianity. God doesn't want us to hold on to the beam. I believe God wants us to do a routine, an incredible routine, but it's not done in our strength. It's not done in our wisdom. It's not done for our glory, but I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit of God will enable us and empower us, and the world will see a routine, but it's not about us, but the routine is so the glory of God will be seen. Are you in agreement with me? First Baptist, let's quit hugging the balance beam and let's say, Holy Spirit of God, empower us and enable us with your strength, with your wisdom, with your courage. And God, may you use us for a great routine for the glory of God. One day. Well, Pastor, does it really matter? Hey, um, one day, you are going to give an account. Let me ask you again. Are you going to give an account for what you do for the glory of God, yes or no? Yeah, you are. I don't know about you. I don't want to stand before God and say, God, my routine was I just hung in there. I played it safe. I want all of you to stand before God one day. Say, God, I did a routine that was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Let me show it to you. John chapter 16. Let's begin in verse number 5. Can we review real quick? Write these two words down from last week. We're going to add two words and two statements. Word number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. I, I don't care my... Erickson's theology book, the very first thing it says about the Holy Spirit, person. I, I think every reading that you will study about the Holy Spirit of God in any theology book, any person worth their salt, almost every person that I read as I've been studying for this, everyone says the Holy Spirit is a person. 
Is the Holy Spirit an it? Yes or no? No, whatever you do, do not ever call the Holy Spirit an it. It is a person. Second thing that we learned last week, that the person of the Holy Spirit of God also has a personality. I'm telling you, almost every theology book, every reader that Every person that you'll read talking about the Holy Spirit of God gives the personality of the Holy Spirit of God. The emotions, the intelligence, the will that it has. Third thing I want you to add to it. We covered those two last week. Let's give you two new words. The Holy Spirit of God is a promise. It was promised that we were going to receive the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, Bill tells us, and my spirit will be poured out. It is a promise in the Old Testament that God's spirit will be poured out. It is God's testimony. In the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that the spirit of God will be poured out, that the spirit of God is here. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, I want you to wait right here and wait for the Holy Spirit that is going to come. Can I tell you, God's Word is true, and we believe every word of it, and the Old Testament prophecies said that the Spirit of God is coming. May I ask you a question? Did it come? Yes. Did we see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament? Yes. The Spirit of God is all throughout the Old Testament. But let's read this. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. Here is Jesus telling the disciples, as a matter of fact, he's going to get to a point. Hey, guys, I can't tell you anymore. You can't even understand it. You can't bear it all. But you're going to see in this text of Scripture, you're going to see what the Holy Spirit does for you what the Holy Spirit does in you, and what the Holy Spirit of God does through you. So in this text of Scripture, what the Holy Spirit of God does for you, what the Holy Spirit of God does in you, and what the Holy Spirit of God does through you. Let's read this text, John chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Verse number seven is key. Next to verse number seven, I want you to write the word conviction. Why do I want you to write the word conviction? I want us to be convicted about the person, personality, and the promise of the Holy Spirit of God that it is a conviction and it is not a preference. Preferences can come and go in life, but we want a conviction that is rooted in God's Word. We want a conviction about the Holy Spirit of God, and convictions are something that we are willing to die for. Most of the disciples that Jesus Christ called out most of them were so, had so many convictions that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Most of them died a martyr's death for their faith. Why? Because they were convicted, the convictions that they held. We have to hold these convictions of the Holy Spirit near and dear. What are they? Look at verse number seven. This is 
beautiful. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Mark that word, advantage. It is to our advantage that Jesus Christ is ascending back. It's our advantage so then the Holy Spirit can come to us. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper. Mark that word, helper, and I want you to turn back one page in your Bible. Look at John chapter 14 and look at verse 16. What is Jesus Christ calling the helper? What he's calling the Holy Spirit, he's calling the Holy Spirit the helper. That word helper is paraclete. That means to come alongside of. So look what it says in John 14, verse 16. And I pray the Father, and that he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit of God is the promise of God, but he's promised us, the paraclete, that the Holy Spirit of God is our helper, and that he is coming alongside of us. We have learned through our daughter Emily that when there is an emergency, medically you dial 911. One of the first things that we taught all of our children in our home how to dial 911 or go to our alarm system and hit the ambulance button. Because several times in Emily's life, we've had to call the ambulance to our house. One time in the middle of the night, Emily quit breathing and she turned blue. And I remember Amy and I over her and we're doing CPR on Emily in the middle of the night. And we're just crying out, dear God, help us. The Holy Spirit of God is our helper to come alongside us. What were we doing? We were calling 911, the paramedics, and the paramedics to come alongside and help us in a very difficult moment. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside of us. First Baptist family, aren't you grateful that we have the helper of the Holy Spirit of God that comes alongside of us? Aren't you grateful we're not doing this life alone? Aren't you grateful you got a 911 instantly called the helper of the Holy Spirit of God? Let's see. I'm just pulling this right from the text of Scripture. The promise of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit is our helper. Look back in your text of Scripture. Let's go the, back to John chapter 16, verse number 8. Verse 7, he's our helper, the promise of our helper. Verse number 8 really starts to lay out for us some of the characteristics and some of the qualities that the Holy Spirit does for us. Look at verse number 8. And when he has come, who's the he? The Holy Spirit. And you're going to see in this text of Scripture how many times you see he he is the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Let me ask you this. How many of y'all have ever been convicted of your sin? 
I mean, I mean, when you sin, you just told that lie. All of a sudden, you just got convicted. Your heart starts pounding away, and you know that you did wrong. Let me ask you, who just convicted you? The Holy Spirit. Aren't you grateful that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, aren't you grateful that it convicts us when we sin? Look what else it does. Look at verse 8, just straight from the text of Scripture. And when he has come, he was convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father, you will see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, here's that big word, however. And you're going to see in the next two or three verses, he, 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 again. Here we go. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. What is the promise? It's a promise of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete to come alongside of us, the convict us of our sin, but it's also our helper to guide us in all truth. So let me ask you a question. Will the Holy Spirit ever guide you the wrong direction? The Holy Spirit will only guide you to truth. That's the promise. For he will guide you to all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. I want you to mark that in the text of Scripture as you study about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is not bringing emphasis to himself. The Holy Spirit of God is always shining the light on Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit of God do? The Holy Spirit of God just points us in the direction of Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit of God do? The Holy Spirit of God always is making much of Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God is not bringing attention to himself. The Holy Spirit of God is bringing attention to Jesus. I mean, look, how do I get that? Well, look at the text of the Scripture. What does God's Word? We believe every word of it. Look at verse 14. It says, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Aren't you grateful that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Person, personality, the promise. Write this fourth thing down. Then we're going to see why he sent the Spirit. Fourth word down. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit of God is the presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Look back at John chapter 14. Look at John chapter 14. Look at verse number 16. And, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So if you are a Christ follower and you have trusted Jesus Christ, I've got some great news for you. The presence of Almighty God lives inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. But we do see the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. 
Can we think about it with Samson? Remember Samson, I mean, mighty and strong and powerful. And it says, and the spirit was upon Samson, but something happened in Samson's life. What, what did Samson finally tell the secret of? He finally told the secret about his hair and what happened. They cut his hair. And after they cut his hair, what does the scripture say? He got up the fight, but he could not, no longer had the strength. Why? Does anybody know? Listen when it says, and the Spirit departed from him. Psalms 51 verse 11. What does David say? In Psalms 51, in beautiful text of Scripture. What does David say? Lord God, do not let the Spirit, what? Depart from me. In the Old Testament, the Spirit, we would see, would come and go. Aren't you grateful for you and I? 1 Corinthians tells us that when you and I are Christ's followers, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and we are the temple of the living God. And aren't you grateful that once the Spirit of God comes inside of us, He will never depart us? We're going to deal with on Wednesday night and prayer meeting how we quench the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit, but the Spirit will not depart. So here's my question. Why did God send the Holy Spirit? Look at Acts. Turn over to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts, we know, is the history of the New Testament church. If you want to know the history of the New Testament church, you just read Acts. I mean, it's a beautiful history that Luke lays out for us. And you will see as you read the the book of Acts, the astonishing speed that the gospel spread. But look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Why did God send the Holy Spirit? Why are we empowered with the Holy Spirit of God? Look what it says, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I want you to see this. But you shall receive what? Power. You know what? Our world loves power. What do we base power upon? Our world bases power upon popularity. Our world bases power upon our possessions that we have. Our world bases power upon a position that we hold. I want you to hear me. The power of the Holy Spirit of God is not dependent upon the position that you hold in this earthly world. The power of God is not dependent upon the the possessions that you have. Can I tell you that's so beautiful? The power of God can rest upon you as a Christ follower. What does it tell us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon who? What does that next word say? You. I, I want everybody to look right here at me. Don't miss this. How many of you have ever been guilty of saying, well, well the, the preacher's gifted to do that? Oh, the evangelist can witness. I mean, that teacher that teaches my life group, man, they are so knowledgeable. Let them do it. 
I want you to look back in this text of Scripture. I am not talking about your life group teacher. I'm not talking about your pastor. I am talking about you. You cannot delegate your responsibilities of witnessing to somebody else because when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, it just comes out of you. As a matter of fact, you're going to see in this Scripture, Acts 1-8, it is not a command to witness. Can I tell you, when you are powered by the Holy Spirit of God and enabled, you're going to be a witness. I mean, look at the text. Look what it says. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's the next thing. Let's make it personal. And you shall be witnesses. Number one, write this down. Why does God send the Holy Spirit? Number one, so you'll be a witness. That you will be a witness. What does that word witness mean? The root of that word witness means martyr. That we are so willing to be a witness, I mean, straight from the text of Scripture, that witness, that we are so willing to be a witness that we are a martyr, that we are willing to do whatever it takes at whatever it cost it is, that we'll be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got a question. Has God empowered you to be a witness? Yes or no? Yeah. So go do it. Oh, Pastor Eric, that's for you to do. No, it's for you to do. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, the power of you, so you can be a witness. What do we pray? Let me give you four things. It'll come up on the next screen as we're praying to be a witness. We are praying, oh, Lord, God, give me wisdom as I'm a witness. The Holy Spirit of God will bring things back to remembrance. Let me tell you, when you're being a witness for Almighty God, let me tell you, God will bring back things to your remembrance. God will bring incredible wisdom to you. God will bring you strength. You might say, Pastor, I just don't have the strength to be a witness. Can I tell you, when you surrender your life to the power of the Holy Spirit of God, He will give you the strength to be a witness. Our issue is surrender. Here's our issue. Our issue is we want to be hugging the life beam of Christianity when God says, quit hugging it and come and live in the strength of the power of God. My third word I put down is courage. The Holy Spirit of God will give us courage. How many of you would say, Brother Eric, I need some courage today. The Holy Spirit of God so enables us and equips us so we can withstand temptation in our life. God has placed the Holy Spirit in you so you will be a what? Witness. Second word, and turn to Luke chapter 4. Turn to Luke chapter 4, and I want you to see this. This is one of my favorite texts of Scripture. And, Lord, if I could be star-tracked in, 
about any moment of Jesus' teaching. I would love to have been, I mean, star Trek into this moment as Jesus in his hometown, he's, he's teaching. I would love this moment as they hand Jesus the book of Isaiah and he reads this and you're going to see the Holy Spirit of God is in us so we can be a witness. Right this second thing now. The Holy Spirit of God is in us so we can do a supernatural work. Here's what we have. We have believed the lie of the devil that we can't do a supernatural work. With the power of the Spirit of God living inside of you, you can do a supernatural work of God. But you believe the lie of the devil. Don't. Look what this is. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is what Jesus is saying. He's quoting all the way back in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberties to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Look what was happening. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus could do the work of Almighty God. I've got some great news to tell you that the Spirit of Almighty God lives inside of you so you can do the work of God. When I think about that, my mind goes to Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus to Paul. Remember Saul on the road to Damascus. All of a sudden, he's got letters in his hand. He wants to go persecute and kill Christians. All of a sudden, the bright light, he's blinded. Then all of a sudden, he comes to know Jesus Christ. And after Paul comes to know Jesus Christ, right after he comes to know Jesus Christ, his Ananias is there. And all of a sudden, Paul can see again. All of a sudden, the scripture tells us, and by the spirit of almighty God, he is teaching, he is preaching, and he's doing the work of God. First Baptist, I've got some good news for you. Because you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. He's got a supernatural work for you to do. How, do we, how are we going to respond? How do we respond to this? Let me give you three things. Number one, we got to recognize we need help. What is our response? What do we do? We recognize we need help. How many would you agree with me? How many of y'all need the Lord's help? Okay? Not only recognize we need help. Here's the second thing we do. We rely upon Him. Stop seeing the world and your Christianity through your eyes and start seeing it through a set of eyes that rely upon His Spirit. Third word. Today's the day. And take, take a step of faith and do what God has called you to do. There's somebody sitting in this room and the Holy Spirit of God has revealed for a long time for you to go do something. Today's the day to take a step of faith. In just a moment, we're going to have the invitation and every one of us are going to make a decision. 
Here's how I'm bringing this to you. Listen. Every one of us are going to make a decision. Are we going to recognize and realize we have a need for the Lord? Here's the invitation. Are we going to say, today, Lord, I'm going to rely upon you and your power that lives inside of me so I will be a witness and I will do the work of God? And here's the invitation. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today and do what God's called you to do. Look this way and I'm done. Our Christian balance being stop just holding on and living an adequate Christian life. And come and live a spirit-filled, vibrant life. I wish we could bring every one of you up here and God would put you on the balance beam like you really are right now. Some of you, if spiritually God could put us on this balanced beam, some of you would be just your fingernails. Some of you are holding on as tight as you can. Some of you are praying, dear Jesus, don't ever ask me to go talk to my neighbor about Jesus. Jesus, don't ever, don't ever make me talk to the person that works next to you. Oh, Lord, I just make my life easy. Some of you right now, you're in the midst of a flip. You know when they, the gymnasts will tell you as they're doing the flip, they, as they're going up, they're recognizing, they're following that beam so they know they're just right. Some of you right now, you guys got you in a flip and you're going, Lord, help me. I got some good news for you. Recognize your need for him. Rely upon him. And today, take a step of faith. Why? He empowers you to be a witness for Him. And He empowers you to do the work. Let's pray. Lord, what a special time it's been in this room today. What a special time it is to see these ones get baptized today. What a special time it's been to, to sing about your name today. Lord, how peaceful it is to know as we sing about, Lord, that you go before us and behind us. But Lord, we know quite frankly for many in this room, they're just living the adequate Christian life. They're just hanging on. Lord, I, I pray that they will take a step of faith today, that they won't be an adequate Christian, but they will be spirit-filled, vibrant, passionate for the kingdom of God. 
Lord, I pray for the person. You've asked them to do something. God, I pray by faith they'll do it today. God, I pray that today that we'll realize because we're empowered by your spirit, we're going to be witnesses. Because we're empowered by your spirit, we're going to go do the work of Almighty God. God, forgive us for just holding on. Instead, Lord, may we be empowered by you. Right now, no one's moving. No one's looking around. This is a serious moment. We're going to get really up close and personal. This morning, how many of you would admit, Pastor Eric, I admit, I'm just that adequate Christian, and I'm just kind of hanging on the... How many of you say, Pastor Eric, I'm just kind of... I'm just kind of hanging on to the balanced beam of Christianity. If that's you, just raise your hand. Pastor Eric, I'm, just raise your hand. Be honest. I mean, just say, Pastor Eric, I'm just, I'm just adequate. I'm just kind of hanging on. Several of you. You put your hands down in just a moment. Will you come to this altar and say, God, I, I just don't want to be an adequate Christian. But God, I want to rely upon your power. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are struggling being a witness? If I were to go ask your neighbor, hey, are they being a witness? Could I go ask your friends at work? Could I go ask the athletic team that you play for? How many of you would say, Pastor Eric, I'm struggling being a witness right now? Just raise your hand. I mean, struggling. I'm struggling being a witness. Many of you, thanks for being honest. The moment we stand and we sing, why don't you come and say, God, I'm struggling with being a witness. Pray the day. God, give me some courage today. Last thing, how many of you are struggling doing the work of God? God's called you to do something. How many say, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling. How many, just raise your hand, I'm struggling doing the work of God right now. I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling doing the work of God. Several of you. Here's what I want you to do. If you're struggling with the work of God, the moment we stand, you come to this altar and say, God, empower me to do the work of God. So here's the invitation. If you've not trusted Jesus, why don't you come? Today's the day of salvation. Some of you need to come and join First Baptist today. But for all of us, take that step of faith. Come rely upon His Spirit. Lord God, may your spirit have freedom in this place. God, move across this room like we've never experienced. God, may none of us believe the lie of the devil. But God, may we walk in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the person of God who lives inside of us. Forgive us for not being the witness. Forgive us for not being the work that you want us to be. And God, today, we take a step of faith. God, may we be about it because you've empowered us for it. In Christ's name. Amen. Look this way. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to stand. 